Good morning. I'm Chris Williams, and this is Fordham Conversations. Have you ever shopped online or shared personal information on the web? If you're like most Americans, then the answer is probably yes. But did you know these things can make us vulnerable to cyber attacks? According to the Manhattan District Attorney's Office, approximately 200 to 300 new identity theft cases come into their office every month. And in 2013, their office saw an 11% increase in identity theft-related arrests compared to the previous year. If cybercrime is on the rise, how can we protect ourselves? What can we do to make sure we don't become victims? Today on Fordham Conversations, we're talking about cybersecurity. We'll hear from Fordham Professor of Computer Science and Information, Frank Shu, about the basics of cybersecurity and Fordham's new master's degree in the field. But first, Richard Aborn talks about combating cybercrime. He's the president of the Citizens Crime Commission of New York City. How often would you say cybercrime occurs? Do you get a lot of cases? It is occurring frequently. It is growing every year. Just to give you a quick snapshot of that, in 2013, there was a 62% increase in the total number of breaches over 2012. And in eight of those breaches, more than 10 million identities were exposed. So there are lots of breaches taking place, and there are lots of identities being exposed in that process. Identity theft, cybercrime more broadly, is in my mind the fastest growing area of crime certainly in the city and probably in the country. Not that many people are aware of yet, or not that many people take it seriously. Do you think people just kind of trust that whatever they put online, you know, if a website says it's secure, that they kind of just take it at face value and don't really question it? Yes, I don't think people understand how their identities can be stolen. I don't think they understand what they can do to protect themselves. And I certainly don't think they understand what happens when your identity is stolen. Um, I think a lot of this is because People think the whole area of cybercrime is something very esoteric, very complicated, and only for academics and scientists to understand. The good news is, in reality, it's not that complicated, and there are lots of very simple things that people can do to protect themselves. So what can someone do to protect themselves? Our research shows about 80 90% of all breaches that occur could have been prevented had, had the user of a smart device, a smartphone, put on a password. So what happens? I get a smartphone from my job. I put on my personal email and my corporate email. I go someplace and I, and I start using it and somebody picks up my signal or somebody breaks into my system. The reason they can do that is because I have not put a password on my cell phone. And putting a password on a cell phone, on a smart device, is one of the best things we can do to protect against unauthorized cyber intrusions. So how do they occur? So let's say you are at an airport or hotel and you tie into the free Wi-Fi. Well, there may be somebody there using a sniffing device figuring out where it is you are surfing or what emails you are using. Or it may be that someone's able to get you to click on a, a phishing attack or open up a piece of malware. Those last two things you can protect yourself against by being better educated about what those look like. The first, you can protect yourself against by using a password. What exactly does the commission do when someone comes to you? You know, someone comes to you. They say that they're a victim of cybercrime. You know, what can you do to help them, or is your work more preventative? 
Well, our work is more preventative. We are very focused on trying to prevent offending, but people do call all the time. And I'm a former prosecutor, and, and there are other people here that understand the criminal law, so we will refer them to the appropriate authority. It could be the police. It could be the FBI. It could be the FBI's intake center, or it could be a local prosecutor. In addition to helping individuals, do you also help companies combat cybercrime? Sure, absolutely. We, you know, we speak at at corporate seminars all the time. We are constantly urging people to use passwords. Um, we have a hard and fast rule, in fact, it's a requirement that you, at the Crime Commission that you cannot open up a smart device unless you put a, a um, password on it. Every single phone that's brought into our premises by staff has to have that built into it. Um, and we urge corporations to do things like that. The and, and we also urge, you know, in New York, there's a temptation when we talk about corporations to think about big corporations. The reality is the vast number of businesses in New York are small corporations, and we're very worried about those because they don't always see themselves as a potential target. So, for instance, we all, you know, ordering food in New York is one of the favorite pastimes in New York. We don't know that the local pizzeria, the local Chinese food shop, or the other local restaurants are taking adequate steps to protect credit card information, for instance. There is a, a growing phenomenon of, the, of appliances, smart appliances, that have chips built in them that speak to us in cyber language, that provide us information to our devices. They are increasingly being seen as vulnerable. So, for instance, there's the – everybody thought it was funny, and it is funny, but it is true, the story of the smart refrigerator – that was used by a hacker to break into somebody's email and get their banking data. Or there's another story of a very smart hacker using the HVAC, the, the air and heating support for a building, which is now completely computerized, to break into, a, into users' emails. So there are all these ways that hackers have to get in, most of which can be prevented by using passwords, which is the good news, and a lot of which can be, rent, be prevented just by being educated about these things. Again, this is not that complicated. It sounds complicated, but it really is not that complicated. It is a new crime wave. It's going to take people time to get used to that. But I think the more we and other organizations like this get out there and talk about this, the more people are willing to change their behavior. We've been talking a lot about sort of credit card information and, and email accounts being hacked, but are there other types of cybercrime? You know, what are these hackers after, really? There are numerous types, and I'll just give you a couple of samples. So let's, let's, divide, uh, let's divide the economy, the national economy, into two sectors. There's the private sector and there's the governmental sector. On the private sector side, law firms, banks, corporations, service providers, retailers, restauranteurs, hotelers, rest, restaurants themselves, the hackers want to get into personal protected information. They want to know your American Express number. They want to know my bank account number. That's one thing. That's identity theft. The second thing they want to do is they want to break into corporations, the data banks of corporations, and, and also steal identifying information. The third thing they want to do sometimes is steal trade secrets. So they break into a corporation or they break into a law firm where there are trade secrets stored, and they want to steal those things. On the government side, it's actually in some ways much more serious because they want to disrupt governmental activities or they want to steal governmental secrets, which can include you know, battle planning, include, include all sorts of things. The, 
the, the fear out there, although I don't know how legitimate a fear this is, I think there have been some exaggerations around this, is that at some point hackers could break in and actually make something call go boom, which means they could cause an explosion by, say, taking over an electric grid or something. That hasn't happened. I don't know how real that is, but, but there's a lot of conversation about that potentially happening as well. I want to ask you now about who exactly is affected by cybercrime, or does it not discriminate? Is, you know, is there a certain group of people, types of people who are affected more than others? There is, it is an absolutely non-discriminatory crime. Anybody that uses the Internet for anything, uses a smart device, uses a, an, an iPad that's connected, a Kindle that's connected, is vulnerable. And very often, unlike traditional crime, cybercrimes are carried out from afar. They can be from other countries, they can be from other states, other parts of the city. That, that's one of the big challenges, is finding out who's carrying out the attacks. This is Chris Williams on WFUV 90.7, and you're listening to Fordham Conversations. Today on the show, we're discussing cybercrime and ways to combat it. Frank Shu is a professor in Fordham's Department of Computer and Information Science. He's also teaching in Fordham's new cybersecurity master's program. He tells us about how cybersecurity works to prevent online crimes and what happens when we share too much personal information on the web. In very general terms, can you just describe what cybersecurity is for people who might not know? You know, is it my personal banking information that's online? Is it government databases, or is it everything? Like, what are we protecting? Well, cybersecurity is really, um, you know, talking about how to secure and sustain the cyber ecosystems, and uh, it really covers a lot of things, um, ranging from data security to information security, network security, and uh, to the policies and, and, and so on. So it covers, you know, ranging from the, you know, bank fraud and, uh, you know, hacking into the banking systems, identity theft, and other things like uh, get the, the, the cyber, uh, cyber people to exploit uh, the cyberspace. So how vulnerable are we? Like, how often do cybersecurity crimes happen? Is this, is this very common? The, the cybersecurity uh, crime, crime happens uh, in basically in two, two directions. One is really the so-called cyber attack, you know, um, is, this is sort of like a very proactive attack, you know, to some of the networks, some of the data, some of the organizations. But another direction is really called cyber exploitation, which is something, you know, people don't talk about it uh, often. But that's very, very important because, uh, you know, exploitation is that to exploit the networking and also information infrastructure so that the people or organization who got hacked into, they don't know anything about it. Uh, maybe until, you know, two months later, they find out, oh, that's too late. Just going off of that a little bit, are there specific cases where about cyber exploitation where a big company was sort of infiltrated by cybercrime? Well, you know, the, the, the most famous cases recently is the Target uh, company. Um, they are, in the sense that, they are, you know, credit card users uh, the information from the credit card users are all got got stolen in the sense that um, somebody hacked into their 
credit card processing systems. And, uh, you know, they don't find that out until maybe two days later or five days later. Uh, so this is quite different from the cyber attack. So that when they hack into the whole network, you know, people would know right away. So a cyber attack more targets one person, or it, it's more narrow. Yeah. It doesn't affect as many people. Well, that's not quite correct in the sense that cyber attack, it happens more quickly, and you find that out more quickly. Uh, you know, if the network breaks down, you, you know that right away. But exploitation is that, you know, your identity got, got stolen, but you don't know that until five days later. And that's, that's in a sense, that's more passive, but, but that's also more, more serious. So who or what is committing these cyber crimes? Is it people? Is it hackers? Or, or is it whole companies, organizations? Is it a little bit of both? Who's committing these crimes, and what are they after? Well, the actors can be um, some of the you know single people. They are hackers. They hack around, or can be some of the you know criminals. Um, they are grouped together and they do things to different organizations. But it can be some of the you know countries, and uh, you know they can try to hack into some other countries' uh, infrastructure. So, sort of, almost to use it as espionage. Yeah, in a sense. Yeah. Uh -huh. How do you prevent cybercrime from happening? What is it that you do? Well, this is a very interesting question um, because cyber threat, as I say, including cyber attack and cyber exploitation, covers a, a wide range of different things. So the way to protect that is uh, we have to use together, you know, technology, not only technology, but also operational and also real life experiences. Um, and they got to be combined together to have a coherent, um, you know, strategy of protection. And uh, in that sense, um, there's always, in my experience talking to experts, um, there's always a consensus about, you know, we cannot do it alone. Uh, we have to have a, you know, public, private, and academia uh, partnership to do that. Maybe specifically, that like hands-on, is it is it coding or or what what do you do exactly? Coding is one of the technologies, you know, like a, uh, cryptography and, and, and so on. And, but that's just one of them. Another one is that to, uh, you can get into some of the network and you can find out the vulnerabilities uh, of the network. So that, you know, sometimes just like, uh, you know, you go to a, a house, there, you know, a house, the, op the door is open. And sometimes, you know, it's not open, but it's not locked, you know, things like that. So when did people realize that cybersecurity was a real threat? You know, when did companies start implementing measures to protect against cybercrime? Is this a relatively new thing, or when did this all hap start happening? Well, the, 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 the security, uh, the information security has been there. You know, data securities, uh, network securities, and so on has been there. But all the industrial right now, because of the cybersecurity, I would say that cybersecurity includes, as I say, a lot of many different things, uh, including uh, protecting data, protecting information, protecting the network. And uh, so most of the industrial companies or business companies, now they have a new title of uh, you know, professionals, and it's called CISO, C-I-S-O, Chief Information Security Officer. And uh, this person, some of the companies uh, report to the CIO, Chief Information Officer. But 
but some of the companies uh, really elevate this CISO onto some kind of some level related, you know, more parallel to the CIO, uh, Chief Information Officer, but at the, pretty much at the level of CEO level, but, you know, report to the Board of Trustees or Board of Directors. Mm -hmm. So that shows that uh, the cybersecurity is not only the security problems, but also it's really the, a business problem. You know, it's a business sustainability problems and business, um, you know, bottom line. So getting back to a little bit what we were saying earlier, I just want to ask, you know, what's the biggest threat? You know, what's most vulnerable to a cyber attack? You know, is it bank accounts or is it more government things? You know, what are the people committing these crimes? Overwhelmingly, is there a certain area where they're trying to infiltrate? As I say, this is widespread. Uh, you know, government, you know, website got hacked. Uh, you know, government, some other uh, web systems got hacked. And uh, uh, industrial companies also, you know, like the New York Times, um, Bloomberg, uh, news, their, their website got hacked. And some of the hacking uh, then is really, you know, looking for commercial information or commercial uh, secret or something like that. But but some of them are really just to hack, just just to disable the network. Academic also. I mean, you can see that, you know, students, um, you know, sometimes the network doesn't work or sometimes uh, students' uh, identity got, got stolen. And uh, so there are all kinds of problems there. So to, to protect that, it, it, it requires a lot of partnership to do that. So President Obama said that the cyber threat is one of the most serious economic and national security challenges we face as a nation. So how does America's cybersecurity practices compare to other countries? Are, are we doing a good job of protecting ourselves, or are other countries advancing faster? I think uh, the United States in cybersecurity, we're doing a, a very good job in, in the sense of technology and also operation-wise. For instance, about a few years ago, the United States, we established something called cyber, U.S. Cyber Command. So it's established by, you know, to coordinate all those uh, military uh, network and so on. And also recently, just, just this year and the last year, uh, the Obama administration established uh, something called cybersecurity framework for critical infrastructures. And uh, so under that framework, about one month ago or three weeks ago, uh, here we at Fordham, we had a you know, panel discussion on that. So what happened is here is that, you know, recognizing that cybersecurity is, is going to have a big impact on the business and the economy of the, of the nation and also defense. The Department of Home, Homeland Security identified 16 critical you know, infrastructures of the industry, you know, many industries, uh, for instance, energy sectors, uh, financial sectors, healthcare sectors, transportations, and so on. And uh, so the administration, you know, come out with some kind of framework, which, you know, would be able to sort of uh, advise or to suggest uh, industrial companies to come out with some kind of ways and strategy to uh, protect those cybersecurity uh, infrastructure. So Fordham is offering a new master's in cybersecurity. So can you talk, tell me about, you know, why it's important that people study this and, and sort of what the program will be like? Well, this is very exciting news. Uh, Fordham, you know, under the planning of faculty in the computer and information science department, and also with the support of the professional and continuous studies uh, school, 
Uh, we have a Master of Science in Cybersecurity just got approved about two weeks ago by, uh, by the New York State Educational Department. And uh, this program would be uh, great for many uh, professionals and uh, for those people who are interested in getting a training and also educational background in, in, in the field of cybersecurity. Is this an emerging field? Are, are there a lot of jobs in this field? Is it up and coming or has it been established for a while already? Before, I was, you know, we're talking about data security, information security, and uh, network security. So this is really in the sense of the from data and information point of view. So those fields have, have been there for about, you know, 10, 20, 30 years since Internet uh, established about, you know, 40 years ago. And then the, uh, well, the World Wide Web established about 19, in the 1990s. Uh, but more recently, uh, because of the cybersecurity, which covers, you know, really from data information to knowledge level, and to, in the sense that to the real life level, and that's why the widespread of, the, of these applications has been very, very fast. So, you know, cybersecurity, this subject and this field, this major has become a, one of the most popular major in probably in the next 20 years to come. Can you tell me about what you'll be doing in the program? Are you teaching a class? And if so, can you just tell me a little bit about what the class will be like? Well, the, the classes we, we offer uh, is pretty much is a professional training uh, point of view. Myself, I have been, uh, will be, I have been teaching courses like cybersecurity essentials and uh, information fusion and uh, project internship. Do you find that as technology is getting more advanced, that it's easier to combat cybersecurity, or is it also at the same time getting harder because it's easier for the people committing the crimes to actually commit them? Well, this is you, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, uh, technology advances so fast, and uh, on, on one hand, it's easier and it's easier to combat you know cybersecurity, but on the other hand, because the adversaries they they have you know sometimes they have better you know much higher better hand also they. They use this. They exploit this technology, and then to uh, to you know to hack into some of the networks or to exploit some of the networks, and that becomes like a, you know something very very human factors. You know there are some kind of psychological factors you have to to put it in there. You know in order to combat that. You know and uh, and also technology. You know for instance like a credit card use. You know people are talking about. In the United States right now, we, we, I think there are a lot of discussion on uh, three adopt this something called chip and the pin technology right now or not, because so far we haven't used that yet. We haven't, you know, we haven't had a, some kind of standard for that yet, but pretty soon after a, a you know, widespread discussion, uh, I think we're going to, you know, as, as a nation, we're going to come, come, come up with some kind of uh, mechanism and also some kind of uh, formulation to, to use that kind of technology. And that would, that would be able to, to kind of uh, mitigate the problems a little bit more. Let's say maybe in 10 or 15, 20 years, where do you see the field of cybersecurity going? Is it just going to keep getting bigger? I know you mentioned earlier that it's sort of emerging. And because it's emerging, but it's also because it touches the social spaces and also the humanity space. And therefore, I would, such, I will, will predict that in 10, 20 years, the field is still there and it's still very much needed uh, 
because of you know because of the emerging of the cyberspace with the physical space and then the social space. So because of that, you know, we are all together there, and therefore, you know, this is going to last for for many many years to come. Do you have any tips for people who might feel afraid that their identity or that anything they put online is going to be infiltrated? You know, how do, how do, how can someone like me, like you know, just someone who's not involved in the field, how can I protect myself from cyber attacks? Well, this is very very interesting question and also very important question. Um, there's no nothing called one hundred percent proof, but what I would suggest that there are two things uh, I would like to suggest personally. Number one, um, if you log on to some of the network or to use your email or something like that, make sure you have to log out, you know, because sometimes you just get out of the website and then you didn't log out and, and or you didn't log off in a sense, then then your identity, your, your information will be still on, there, on the computer there. The second thing is that when you are asked to give Information, for for instance, sometimes, you know, in a, in a in a company there, in a, in a shop, you know, Walmart or some other companies, you know, you might be asked to say, okay, well, you know, fill out the form, or give out, you know, write down your birthday, write down your social security number, write down your everything, and we'll give you, uh, you know, fifty percent discount. Okay, well, that's a very good discount, but you know, you, you really have to think about it twice. Mm-hmm. Do you think people have been sharing too much of their personal information online? Do you think people need to scale back a little bit? Yes, I agree with you on that. Okay. Yeah, I mean, right now you can see that the younger generations like you, uh, you know, you guys rely on, you know, trust your social network, Facebook, Twitter, you know, trust your information to some people who would, you don't even know more than your parents. And uh, I think that's, a little bit of extreme. So I think, you know, I would suggest that, you know, try to scale back a little bit. How does the NSA play into all of this? Is that a, an issue of cybersecurity or is that something different? As far as I know, the NSA is is in big news and uh, I think they're trying to protect the, the cybersecurity of the whole nation. And uh, there may be some issues about, you know, security versus privacy. And uh, that's always a you know, a very interesting issue, and um, you know that has been discussed, you know, openly, you know, at, at the many different meetings and forums and you know, for us, and um, you know, so I, I personally just, you know, just believe that you know, security and privacy, there got to be some kind of impact on each other, and therefore, you know, both of them got to be considered very carefully. Almost in a way, you know, if you're more private online, the more secure you are, because. In a, in a sense, you're you're sharing less about yourself, so there's less about you that's up for grabs, so to speak. Just lastly, really quick, I know Fordham does a big conference on cybersecurity. Can you tell me a little bit about what that was like this year and sort of the issues that came up? What's a main area of focus? This has been a very, very successful conference for Fordham, not, not just for Fordham, but also for the nation, uh, because it groups uh, industrial company people academia and also the government people. It also, uh, you know, have people in technology, in operations, you know, practical uh, law enforcement and also real life experiences uh, to attend the meeting. And uh, it's, a, it's a very, very, very successful, informative, also a fun uh, conference for many, many people. 
This time we we might add some more uh, focuses. You know, for instance, like uh, you know some of the emerging issues, identity management, and uh, maybe some other issues like uh, you know critical infrastructures. Um, you know, we have covered those before, but you know, but those two issues or, or two emphasis are really getting more more popular right now. So we we might want to cover that also. So at the at the conference, what was the thing that you walked away feeling like, oh wow, that's interesting. I hadn't known that before. You know, what was the biggest takeaway for you? I heard that for, to uh, to many many people. What they say is, is uh, how come we never attended anything like this before? And I think the, the 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 secret of that is again, this is because combining academia, industry, and government people. So you never you never had we never had any you know uh, any conference like of this kind. So the conference is so unique, and also very international, interdisciplinary, international. The interaction of attendees is is great, and uh, we have you know people from all kinds of uh, you know avenues of the society, of the government, of the industrial uh, you know sectors. This has been Fordham Conversations on WFUV 90.7. We'll be back next Saturday at 7 a.m. And don't worry if you've missed the show. They're all available to download as a podcast or stream online at WFUV.org. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for all the latest updates from the FOCON team. Stay tuned. George Bodarkey and Cityscape are next on WFUV. For Fordham Conversations, I'm Chris Williams.